Stanley slept for a long time. It felt like the times he drained himself of all of his energy trying to use magic, but this time the fatigue was accompanied by a deep ache in his bones. Eventually, he felt his mind clear of the thick fog it had been stuck in. He still felt achy, but better than before. He grabbed his phone from the charger and stared blearily at the screen. He thought he might still be asleep at first. He rubbed his eyes and blinked at his phone again. First, he realized that he'd slept through an entire day. It was already the 22nd of December, but it was the notification at the top of his phone that really confused him. Severe weather warning. Take shelter immediately. Temperatures dropping rapidly. Severe winter weather expected, including whiteout conditions. Do not travel. Stanley pushed himself out of his bed and shivered. With most of the fort being underwater and out of the sun, it was normally cooler in their rooms, but it felt abnormally cold. He dug a fleece-lined flannel out of the back of his closet and shrugged it on. When he left his room, he nearly ran into Miguel, who was just outside his door. Miguel was wearing a long-sleeved shirt and sweatpants and had a blanket draped over his shoulders. He quickly wheeled himself backwards and then gruffly said, Good, you're up. Something weird is going on. Snow? Stanley asked. He was surprised at how exhausted his voice still sounded. He cleared his throat and rubbed his eyes. It's a little more than snow, Miguel replied. He hesitated for a moment, looking Stanley up and down and then continued. One of your people called Kay Lawrence, teacher at West Thornvale Elementary. Stanley's brow immediately creased with concern. She's fine, Miguel quickly assured, but said that the principal is acting strange. He's normally a pretty stoic guy, but Kay said he was dancing through the halls and declaring school was canceled for the rest of the year, Christmas. Stanley blinked heavily a few times. Maybe he just likes snow. Miguel huffed and then added, everyone at the school says he smells like peppermint and he's been smiling so long that his face is starting to spasm. All right, fine, we can go check it out. The trip over to the mainland was hard. The waves were choppy and covered in a thick slush as the top of the water tried to freeze but was tossed by the warmer waves beneath it. There was a strong wind blowing through, colder than Stanley had ever felt in his life. The flurries mixed with the wind stung at their exposed skin as they crossed the ocean. To add to their difficulty, Stanley wasn't used to getting Miguel in and out of the boat with his wheelchair. Shivering, they reached the mainland. Stanley lifted Miguel up onto the passenger seat of his old pickup truck with a groan. He felt a bit lightheaded at the effort, resting his forehead against the edge of the door and closing his eyes. You good? Miguel asked, voice softer than it had been. Yeah, Stanley said breathlessly. He took another few seconds to collect himself before closing the door, folding Miguel's wheelchair up and hoisting it into the bed of the truck. He then walked over to slide into the driver's seat. School's still open? He asked. The truck was slow to start, turning over a few times. He turned the heat on full blast once the engine started. The thermometer on his dashboard said it was a mere 30 degrees outside. I think so. They're getting ready to send the kids home. This cold front just started a couple hours ago, Miguel answered. The two fell into a tense silence as they made their way to school. As usual with the two of them, Miguel was the first one to break it. I'm sorry about what I said. No, you're right. I was being an idiot. Miguel frowned and turned to look out the window. Stanley glanced over at him. It was clear there was more that he wanted to say, but he didn't. Miguel finally asked, Are you feeling better? Stanley nodded. Tired. Sore. But fine. It took significantly longer to reach the school than usual. 
The roads were packed with cars, seemingly full of people trying to get to the nearest grocery store. Eventually, they pulled into one of the last parking spots at the elementary school. Stanley folded out Miguel's wheelchair and helped him into it. He was left lightheaded again and leaned against the truck for support. When he got his bearings, he grumbled, We're getting a car that's lower to the ground. Miguel couldn't help but let out a small snort of laughter. Stanley and Miguel went into the office of the school and told the secretary that they were there to see Kay. After the secretary phoned Kay to confirm, she had them sign a guest book and then wave them through. She didn't have time to ask them any questions about why they were here. The phone was ringing off the hook. Eventually, they reached the fourth grade classroom. The door was already open, but Miguel knocked on the doorframe as they approached. The room was full of chatter and practically buzzing with excitement. The kids inside were squirming in their seats, craning their necks to try to see out the window as the flurries of snow got bigger and bigger. Kay looked up at the knock and quickly left her desk to meet them at the door. I'm so glad you could make it, she said with a sigh of relief. She called back over her shoulder to tell her students to behave before stepping into the hallway and closing the door. As soon as the door closed, all the students inside rushed out of their seats and to the windows to take a look outside. Kay quickly gave the two men a small hug. Been a while, Stanley greeted her. How are the kids? They're good, growing like weeds. Andre is in the fifth grade now and Carmen is in first, Kay said, though the smile soon left her face. Miguel and I caught up this morning. I'm so sorry to hear about Lucy and about your diagnosis. Stanley and Miguel both looked anywhere but at each other before Stanley finally said, Yeah, me too. Kay cleared her throat. Anyway, I think something weird is going on here with the principal. She went on to explain everything that Miguel had told Stanley earlier about the principal's odd behavior. I know when we met the last time, it was something more, well, grave. But my gut tells me this is something similar. Where's Principal Devlin now? Stanley asked. As if on cue, they all began to hear singing from down the hall. A portly balding man in his 60s, dressed in a white collared shirt, red tie, and black dress pants, began to dance down the hall. He was singing an ear-splitting rendition of Deck the Halls, in between shouts of, No school! No school! No school! School closed for the rest of the year! As he approached, he jumped into the air and clicked his heels together. He absolutely reeked of peppermint, the smell coming off him in strong waves. See what I mean? Kay asked quietly. Season's greetings to you this bright time of year, Miss Lawrence, Principal Devlin said as he stopped in front of them. Up close, it was clear something was off about the man. He was out of breath, chest heaving. His face was flushed red and he was soaked in sweat. His cheeks twitched as they tried to keep a smile on his face. The smile didn't quite reach his eyes, however. His eyes seemed to convey a sense of desperation, a cry for help. Kay gave him a tight smile and nodded. Devlin, these are my good friends, Stanley and Miguel. Season's greetings to you as well in this time of cheer and merriment, Devlin said before reaching out to vigorously shake both Stanley and Miguel's hands. Interesting weather for the island, Miguel remarked, squinting at the principal. Indeed, indeed, a true Christmas miracle, he declared, letting out a mechanical laugh that sounded as though it were being copied from a toy Santa. His eyes screamed, help me, as he put his hands on his hips. How long have you been this excited about Christmas? Stanley asked. All my life, he confidently declared. About three hours ago, Kay added quietly. During morning announcements, about the same time it started getting cold. Miguel looked over his shoulder between them and then around the principal. Noting that there was no one else in the hallway, he reached out and grabbed the man's hand. 
Miguel's eyes flashed gold and then closed and the principal's eyes did the same. Their eyes flicked rapidly beneath their lids. What's he doing? Kay asked quietly. Looking through his memories, Stanley answered. He leaned heavily against the concrete block wall behind him as they waited. A few minutes later, Miguel's eyes snapped open and he let go of Devlin. Devlin came back to himself shortly after, though a bit disoriented. I'm not sure, Miguel said as he explained what he saw. Something happened. I felt rift magic in his mind. A lot of it. Just not sure who did this to him. Well, good tidings to you all, Devlin announced. I must be off. He then began to skip and jump down the hall, singing another song off-key. Suddenly, there was a rapid tapping on the door from inside the classroom. Kay opened the door, and a young boy on the other side said, Miss Lawrence? M Miss Lawrence, look! He was holding his backpack in his hands. When he turned it upside down, candy canes, chocolates, and cookies of all varieties began to pour out. He shook the pack, and it continued to pour onto the floor in an endless stream. The amount of candy on the floor couldn't physically fit inside the bag. It appeared the bag led to a bottomless supply of sweets that continued to pour out, making a growing pile at his feet. When Stanley and Miguel peered into the room, they noticed every kid had backpacks that were doing the same. The floor of the room was completely covered in a layer of Christmas treats. Before Kay could react, the speakers in the ceiling above them crackled to life with the voice of Principal Devlin. The buses have arrived! Class is dismissed! A Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night! The classroom doors burst open and the halls were immediately flooded with kids bursting with excitement, screaming and running down the halls. Some carried their backpacks upside down, dumping a trail of candy behind them. It seemed Kay's fourth grade class wasn't the only one that seemed to have backpacks magically full of sweets. It wasn't long before two kids came up to stand beside Kay. It had been a while since Stanley and Miguel had seen them, but they bore a striking resemblance to their mother. Andre was a tall boy for his age, with a mop of messy, black, curly hair. His sister Carmen was a petite girl with rosy cheeks and hair that matched her brother's. Carmen was wearing a comically large Santa hat that almost came down far enough to cover her eyes. Kay briefly introduced the kids to Stanley and Miguel. Well, we should get going. Look into some things, Stanley said, picking himself up from his slouched position on the wall. Why don't you two come back to my place, Kay offered. They'll probably close down the dock soon anyway. She left out and you two can figure out what's going on, but the concern on her brow said it for her. Stanley and Miguel exchanged a glance at the offer. Was it worth potentially exposing her kids to the supernatural? I could make some lunch, Kay added. We can still have grilled cheese and tomato soup, right? Carmen asked, pulling at her mother's hand. Of course, Mia, Kay answered. Stanley's stomach growled at the mention of food. He was never one to turn down a good sandwich, and he couldn't remember the last time he ate. Miguel answered before he could. That would be great, thank you. By the time they all left the school, there was already a solid inch of snow on the ground. Stanley had never seen anything like it. He crouched and ran his hands through the fluffy snow gathered on the sidewalk. It certainly felt real. If the bitter cold didn't make his joints ache, he might have tried to form a snowball. Stanley and Miguel agreed to follow Kate to her house. It was another trip that took much longer than it should have. The streets were still packed with cars and drivers who had no idea how to handle the snow, Stanley being one of them. Not exactly much to go on, Miguel remarked as they drove. But you felt rift magic. Stanley clarified. Miguel nodded. Definitely. He was sitting in his office this morning, one second totally normal, and then the next filled with green energy. It was like he was... He frowned as he contemplated it. Infected. Definitely like he was infected. 
and the snowstorm and the endless backpacks of sweets. And it sounds like whatever is doing this is obsessed with Christmas. Stanley let out a long breath and reached out to turn up the heat with a trembling hand, only to find it was already turned all the way up. The temperature was still dropping, already down to 26 degrees. Someone or something is spreading Christmas cheer, he asked, making sure he was understanding correctly. Miguel shrugged. Only answer that makes sense. The two men decided to wait out the worst of the storm at Kay's house, and then research more once they got back to the fort. The snow was coming down even heavier now, the gusts of wind bringing so much snow that it was hard to see the car in front of them. Kay lived in a modest home on the outskirts of West, near one of the docks. As they walked to the front doors, Andre immediately ran to the TV to begin playing video games, and Carmen went through a nearby door to her bedroom, closing the door behind her. Make yourselves at home, Kay said with a smile. I'll get lunch ready. Let me help, Miguel offered. Kay took a deep breath to politely decline, but Miguel quickly added, It's the least we can do. Kay nodded, and the two rounded the corner to the kitchen. Stanley was normally the one helping out in the kitchen, but he wasn't going to complain. He was still tired and achy from the MS episode that had landed him in the hospital the day before. He sat heavily in a loveseat in the living room, sinking back into the deep cushions. It didn't take long for Kay and Miguel to make lunch. Carmen came out of her room with a toy elf in tow, in addition to her oversized Santa hat. The girl sat on the other end of the loveseat as her mom set up a tray for her to eat from. Excited about Christmas? Stanley asked her. Carmen nodded vigorously. I love Christmas. It's my favorite. And this year, I even got to sing the song right, she said and flashed Stanley a grin that exposed her two front teeth were missing. Stanley couldn't help the smile that came to his face. What did you ask Santa for this year? He asked her. A white Christmas, she declared. Stanley blinked a few times and then looked from Carmen to the closest window, noting the conditions had indeed turned into a whiteout blizzard. She asked for that every year, Kay added, as she handed Stanley a plate. Stanley gave her a quick thank you. Thank you. And she nodded. Yeah, but this time it actually came true, Carmen said around a mouthful of her sandwich. What else did you ask for? Stanley questioned. Not anything Santa can't handle, Carmen said confidently. But I can't tell you because they haven't come true yet. Once everyone was finished, Miguel went back with Kay to the kitchen to help with the dishes. Stanley thought about offering to help, but the fatigue in his limbs kept him from offering. He thought about asking for some Advil, but he kept quiet about that, too. Stanley didn't remember nodding off. He didn't feel like he'd been asleep, but the sound of jingle bells nearby somewhere caught his attention and pulled him out of his doze. He listened for a few more moments. He could hear Kay and Miguel in the kitchen talking quietly in Spanish, the dulled noise of a video game from the TV. And there it was again. Jingle bells. Stanley cracked an eye open and saw Carmen sitting on the floor not far from him. She had the same elf sitting in front of her, as well as a few other dolls. She was chatting with them, seeming to be playing some kind of game with herself and the toys. Stanley was about to let his eyes drift shut when he heard it again, a tinkling of bells. And this time, he could have sworn he saw the elf's mouth move. Before Stanley could say or do anything, there was a knock at the door. Kay quickly left the kitchen to head to the door, and Miguel wheeled himself out shortly after. When Kay opened the door, Stanley was surprised to see a female police officer on the other side of it. The woman appeared to be in her late 30s, early 40s at the most. She had her brown hair pulled back in a tight bun and was wearing a large coat over her work uniform. Stanley stood quickly, expecting the worst. Oh, Jolene, Kay greeted. Everything all right? We're fine. I'm just out on a call, Jolene answered, stepping inside and closing the door to keep out the cold. 
She then spotted Stanley and Miguel not too far from the door. Sorry, I didn't realize you had company. Stanley knew a police officer would have noticed their truck out in front, but assumed she was being polite. It's all right. These are my friends, Stanley and Miguel. They, uh, we got stuck on the island with the ducks closed and all. Miguel cut in quickly. Kay looked relieved and then turned to introduce the female officer in the doorway. Uh, this is my neighbor, Captain Holland. She's new to the area. Just moved in a few months ago. Jolene gave the men a polite nod and then turned her attention back to Kay. I came over to ask if you might have a stick of butter I could use. I promised Alex I'd make him some cookies and realize we're out and now all the shops are closed. Oh, sure thing, Kay said with a nod, quickly leaving to dig through her fridge. It wasn't long before she was back handing over the stick to Jolene. It was enough time for the officer to look Miguel and Stanley up and down, trying to figure out where she knew them from. Stanley shifted his weight nervously under her firm gaze. After thanking Kay for the butter, Jolene commented, I noticed it looked like you're going all out for Christmas this year. Oh? Kay asked. Yeah, the... Jolene put her free hand up to make air quotes around the next word, unicorn, in the backyard. Carmen immediately screeched with excitement and then said, He did it! It's here! Oh, sorry, I thought Jolene started, looking embarrassed as though she'd spoiled some kind of surprise. Carmen ran to throw her coat on and then bolted past Jolene to push the door open and head outside. Carmen, wait! Kay called after her. Andre, also intrigued by the news, threw his coat on and followed his younger sister. Once the kids were out of earshot, Kay mumbled under her breath about the kid's father must have sent something, and then both her and Jolene followed the kids, closing the door behind them, leaving Stanley and Miguel alone inside. Miguel wheeled over to a window that looked out over the backyard. He cussed in disbelief. Are you seeing this? He asked. Stanley walked up behind him and looked out. The wind had slowed down some. There were about four inches of snow on the ground now. Standing not too far from the window was a rainbow unicorn. Its coat was iridescent white, seeming to glimmer and sparkle in the sunset, with a brilliant mane that contained every color of the rainbow. A single, shimmering, opalescent horn sprouted from its head. Yeah, Stanley said slowly. Yeah, I'm seeing it. It looked real, by all accounts, and not like someone had put a horse in a fancy costume. It seemed to be an actual unicorn. Stanley quickly turned his attention back to where Carmen had been playing. The elf she'd been playing with laid forgotten on the floor. Stanley walked over and picked it up, staring at it harshly. I, I think it's the elf, he decided aloud. What? Miguel asked, sounding just as disbelieving as when he'd laid eyes on the unicorn. Stanley didn't take his eyes off the elf in his hands. It looked like every other elf on the shelf that he'd seen with its creepy plastic face and smug expression. I swear, earlier I heard jingle bells and I thought I saw this thing's mouth move. Miguel wheeled over to Stanley. He looked between the elf and Stanley's face a few times. Seeing that Stanley wasn't just messing with him, he nodded. Let me try something. He held his hand over the elf and said, Revelare. There was suddenly a bright flash of green light in Stanley's hands. In an instant, the elf transformed into something more akin to a gremlin. It had large chihuahua-like ears, but was otherwise reptilian in shape and appearance, covered in dark, putrid green scales. It had large orange eyes with slitted pupils that stared angrily at them. It opened its mouth to hiss, but all that came out was the sound of jingle bells. The thing faltered a little bit, cleared its throat, and then actually hissed. What the hell? Miguel finally stammered out. Yeah, what the hell indeed, the creature spoke. Its voice was deep and raspy, like an old woman who'd been smoking six packs of cigarette a day for 70 years. Let me go. I wasn't hurting anyone. 
it insisted, trying to wiggle out of Stanley's tight grip. Have you been talking to Carmen? Stanley pressed. Did you do anything to her? What? No. The kid's sweet. I got a soft spot for her, that's all. The thing answered, seeming to be honest. It stopped wriggling as much in Stanley's grasp. What even are you? Miguel asked. An elf. It answered like that wasn't completely obvious. Stanley and Miguel looked at each other like they were being pranked. An elf from the Riftlands? Miguel sounded out slowly. The elf rolled its eyes. Yeah, yeah, whatever technicality you want to put on it. I'm small, I'm green, I grant wishes, doesn't that check all the boxes? That made a lot of things make sense. The principle, the endless backpacks of sweets, the blizzard, the unicorn. What all did Carmen ask for? Miguel asked. A white Christmas? Stanley answered first. School to be canceled for the rest of the year so she could stay home and play with her rainbow unicorn. The elf finished. Oh, and for everyone at school to be excited about Christmas as her. Both men sighed heavily. Stanley looked to Miguel and said, Well, at least it's honest. Hey, I'm not it. That's my cousin. I'm mistletoe. It protested. And then it started to gnaw at Stanley's hand to try and free itself. Its teeth were not sharp in the slightest and barely made a dent in Stanley's tough skin. Right. Well... Make a portal and we'll toss Mistletoe back through, Stanley said. Mistletoe's ears flattened backwards and it stopped biting Stanley's hand. Back to the Riftlands. Where you belong, Miguel added. Come on, it groaned. Let me stay. Just till Christmas. Carmen will be upset if I'm not here till then. Then I, I promise I'll turn myself over. Yeah. Kay can just tell her I went back to Santa's workshop or something. No more wishes? Stanley asked. You're not seriously considering... Miguel started. No wishes, Mistletoe interjected. Negotiating with a rift creature, Miguel finished. Look, I'll give you any wish you want. Anything at all. Just let me stay for Christmas, it begged. You can't ruin a kid's Christmas. It's not her fault, Stanley said, quietly, turning slightly pleading eyes towards Miguel. Miguel sighed heavily and then frowned when he realized the elf was looking at him with a similar pleading expression. Fine, fine, he threw his hands up, and then crossed them over his chest. Leave the wish-fulfilling rift creature with a seven-year-old. What could go wrong? Stanley tried not to look too relieved, turning his expression into something more hardened as he looked back at Mistletoe. No more wishes. We'll send you back early. Promise, Mistletoe said seriously, nodding several times. The sound of voices were approaching the front door. They didn't have long before the family was back inside. Fine. Change yourself back, Stanley said quickly. There was a flash of green light and the creature transformed back into the elf on the shelf doll. Stanley gently put it back on the floor with the other dolls, and it gave one last grateful jingle. Kay, Andre, and Carmen came back into the house, none the wiser. Although it was still freezing cold, the storm eventually settled enough for Stanley and Miguel to head home. They spoke quietly to Kay outside to let her know about the mistletoe situation and that they would be back for it. Miguel also informed her that he'd called the council to have them collect the unicorn. The morning after Christmas, Stanley and Miguel went back to Kay's house. 
It was still far too cold for Florida. There was about a foot of snow on the ground now, making it a truly white Christmas. Mistletoe was ready to turn itself in, just like it had promised. The unicorn was still out back. Miguel's contact at the council said that they would be there the next day to get it. Stanley and Miguel collected mistletoe from Kay. Miguel opened a small portal and Stanley tossed it through. Mistletoe flipped them off with both hands as it disappeared, the portal closing behind it. Almost immediately, the clouds above them began to clear, and Stanley felt warm rays of light hit his face. He closed his eyes and took a deep breath through his nose, enjoying the warmth of the sun on his skin. When he opened his eyes again, there was a smile on his face. He looked down at his friend and said, Merry Christmas, Miguel. Miguel smiled too, for the first time in a long time. Merry Christmas, Stanley. This has been Christmas Wishes by Hannah Gallagher, read by Susanna Lewis. Stay tuned for a quick conversation between me and Hannah, as we have a little announcement for you. Hi everyone, Susanna here. What you just heard was an excerpt from a book that Hannah has been working on for the last year or so, and I thought I would bring her in and talk about it for a couple minutes. So say hi, Hannah. Hi! Yeah, I've been working on this for a while now, so it's exciting to finally tell people. Yeah, so do you want to, like, tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, so basically it was inspired by the Wraith arc uh, with his list. And I kind of wanted to explore, like, how Stanley met all of the contacts on his list. And at first it started with, like, just some stories of, like, him, like, as an adult meeting people that are now on the list. And then it got wildly out of control and it became, (laughs) (laughs) uh, you know, something entirely kind of different. So it basically is a collection of short stories centered around Stanley. And some of them when he is as young as like 15 and then up to kind of almost present where Thornvale starts. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I remember you telling me about this and I was like, oh, that's such a cool idea. Like, I love that. I, I thought it would be a super fun project to work on. Uh, so we've been kind of like working on it together. Like Hannah's been writing all the stories and every once in a while she's like, hey, how would this, how would this person be at this time period? And we had to come up with lore for like Miguel and we had to come up with with some uh some of Stanley's backstory that I haven't gotten into before like when he was really young. Yeah, we had to have some discussions about Lucy as well. You know, spoiler alert, she's in the book too. <laughs> yeah. And the story that you guys heard is part of a story. It is not the entire story. It's most of the story. But there's a little bit of extra in there that uh when the book comes out you'll get to hear it. It's been a lot of fun to kind of Write this authorized fan fiction, if you will. <laughs> so I, I'm I think, excited. I don't think it's an. I don't think it's a fan fiction. I think it's. It's like the actual. I think it's canon. Well, to me, it's just it written feels by like you. Fan fiction. <laughs> it's a very similar concept in in the way you're writing it. We're just gonna make it canon yeah. now because yeah. I'm letting you do that. <laughs> yes, and a canonized fan fiction, if you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's happened before. You know, yeah, a lot of a lot of great writers start writing like, you know, fan fiction for their favorite stories and eventually, you know, grow up and get to write real stories for those actual (laughs) stories. Yes, I've been having a lot of fun with this because obviously I don't have to do as much work on it. So that's nice. 
Yeah. Uh, but it's been really fun. You send me the stories and I get to read through them and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's great. I like that. And every once in a while I'll have like a small correction or something just to make sure the lore stays yeah. consistent. But most of it, I haven't had to do much of anything. <laughs> yeah. And as far as a timeline goes, I don't have a specific timeline of when we'll have like the first, the finished product or anything yet. But we're very close to like the first completed rough draft. So then after we get like a better first version, then we'll do like beta readers and all that. So shouldn't be too long till we need that, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think we're getting pretty close to that. I'm thinking probably after Thornvale ends, we'll probably do that whole process. Yeah. So not too, not too far away. Not too far away. <laughs> what is, uh, so I figure I would ask you a little bit more about it. So what is your favorite of the stories? If you can give us like a, a little bit of a sneak peek. So I think right now, one of my favorite stories in the collection is a snapshot of Stanley when he was like younger. And, you know, obviously now Stanley and Miguel, like tight knit close unit. But in this story, they are not exactly uh, <laughs> on the same page with everything, so to say. They're uh, not they're exactly still... <laughs> buddies yet. <laughs> yeah, they're still kind of getting used to each other, basically. And that leads to some friction that mm. leads to uh, some other interesting interactions with Stanley and his dad. And, you know, Stanley definitely may or may not get himself into some trouble. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I really like that one, too. I've read most of them. Uh, like I said, I think there's like two at the moment that I haven't read that I, that I need to. I'm so freaking busy. Yeah. Uh, but I, I definitely think that one's super strong. There's another one that involves that involves Lily. That is an earlier uh, one, I think. Yeah, an slightly earlier later one. one. That, I, I like which. that one too. Yeah. I like that one a lot. I think those two are probably competing for like my top ones, but I love yeah. all of them. I think they're all really cool. And it's really interesting. You get to see some of the highs and the lows of Stanley's life and some of Miguel. It does focus mainly on Stanley. Yeah, it is definitely like Stanley-centric since I'm kind of using it like as his list. Like, uh, almost every chapter features someone on his contact list and kind of like the table of contents is kind of set up like written like it is his list that he keeps with him. Um, so it is mostly centered on Stanley, but we do get a, a get to know a lot more about Miguel too. Yeah. And I, I just think it's so cool to see how their relationship like began and expanded. And it's just, it's really fun for me because obviously- yeah. You know, these are these are originally my characters, but it's really cool to see what you've done with them. Like, it's really cool to, like, collaborate this way. And yeah, I think we had a, a lot of fun conversations just about how, like, they've changed over time. And yeah. just from those conversations, I've been like, OK, well, I get how his his headspace would be then, you know, and then I, I, I get to write it. And it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, you you've done a phenomenal job of capturing both characters, I think. <laughs> Thank you. Thank I <laughs> definitely read Stanley when I when I read these and I read Miguel and it's it's just so cool to see how you've been able to bring them to life like this. Thanks. It's, 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 it's really a high compliment coming from you. <laughs> yeah. It it really is just so fascinating to see how someone else can like use my world. It's it's really yeah. cool. I'm really having a good yeah. time with this. Is there anything else you want to tell us about the uh about the book? 
I don't think so. I guess just pay attention for like announcements related to it. Uh, hopefully, everyone will get a chance to read it soon. Um, not like soon, soon, but <laughs> you know, publishing in books the near takes future. time, y'all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it will be. Um, it will be like self-published with us. We'll probably yeah. put it up on on Amazon and all that jazz. Yeah. It'll be really cool. Uh, we'll we'll are you are you gonna do the art for it? Uh, I could. I haven't That'd thought really about fun. that yet. Um, we're, we're gonna need a cover, you know. Yeah, we're gonna need a cover. As far as lengthwise, right now it's sitting at over seventy-seven thousand words. It's yeah. it's gonna be longer than that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so it, it's it's a decent amount of content. <laughs> so uh, that, that's something to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm super stoked to eventually like I'm definitely gonna be like the first person that like buys one, I'm gonna, like have it up there Dang. and immediately I'm like yoink, this is mine. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be so cool. I can't wait for this thing to come out, and I can't wait for everyone to read it. There will be definitely an announcement on this on this feed, the Thornvale feed, and probably whatever our new feed is, depending on when it comes out. Yeah, so you will definitely hear about it. So stay on the Thornvale feed because we're going to have a lot of stuff after Thornvale ends. We're, we're going to have some some cool announcements coming forward. So Yes, there's a lot of cool stuff coming. There's a lot of cool stuff coming. Thornvale and non-Thornvale. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, well, thank you for uh, sitting down with me and having this little conversation. I thought yeah. people would, uh, would appreciate a little bit of insight on I'm excited to hear everyone's reactions, and I hope you liked this little excerpt. I hope you like this little excerpt. I love it. So I, I can't wait to share it with people. Uh, with that, we'll say goodbye and uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.